Looking for a new show to dive into? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like the full season of FX's epic limited series Shogun, FX's new international spy thriller The Veil, starring Emmy and Golden Globe winner Elizabeth Moss. And don't miss the all-new crime series Under the Bridge, inspired by shocking true events and starring Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone. It's all new, and it's streaming now on Hulu. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. Welcome to Shaker Heights, Episode 2, The Weird Kid in School. In the early morning hours of Friday, September 14, 1990, 16-year-old Lisa Pruitt was stabbed to death in Shaker Heights, an upper-class suburb on the east side of Cleveland. Her body was discovered behind a mansion owned by the Dryford family. The murder occurred the day her boyfriend, Dan Dryford, was released from a mental institution. No murder weapon was found at the scene. Within 24 hours, the detectives had interviewed the Dryford family and come up with few solid leads. In the days after the murder, friends of Dan Dryford met up at the home of classmate Catherine Schultz to discuss the ongoing mystery. Following this meeting, several of Dan's friends went to the police station with a startling claim. A young man named Kevin Young had been overheard stating he wanted to kill Lisa because he was jealous of Dan Dryford. This podcast presents the case as it unfolded for Shaker Heights police detectives. The interviews you are about to hear are taken from actual police reports and recounted by actors. As the story unfolds, ask yourself, who do you think killed Lisa Pruitt? This is Detective Richard Mullaney with the Shaker Heights Police Department statement and interview by one Jonathan Andrew George. Jonathan. I know Dan from band. I've known him since about eighth grade. We've been friends since then, until now. I've known Lisa since I was in 10th grade, and I've known Kevin since I was in 9th grade. Dan and Lisa have been going out for a couple months now. Kevin supposedly has liked Lisa for a long time now. Most girls blow Kevin off, because he seems kind of weird. We were at Arabica at Shaker Square, me and Shane McGee. We were standing by Shane's car talking with Kevin, and we were talking about Dan Dryford. And Kevin Young said something like, I'd hate to be Dan, because he doesn't get any play. And me and Shane McGee both laughed. Kevin was like, why are you guys laughing? And we were both like, 
because Dan gets a lot of play from girls. And Kevin Young said, well, he's not getting any from Lisa Pruitt. And I said, yes, he is. He's sleeping with her. And Kevin just freaked. He was like, that asshole, that asshole, I hate him. I'm going to kill him. I want her dead. And then he stormed off and left me and Shane McGee. Later that night, I was talking to Kevin Young again, and he was saying that women were good for nothing except screwing them and throwing them away, and how there's really no point in them. Me and Shane McGee, we were both like, okay, Kevin, right. We stayed at Arabica a little while longer and talked to some friends there, and then me and Shane both left. Could you describe Kevin Young physically and where he lives, if you know? He's about six feet tall, about 160, 170 pounds. Blonde, blue-eyed, listens to heavy metal, Metallica and Anthrax. He basically doesn't like the world, doesn't like black, Jews, Polish people. Basically a typical Aryan supremacist type person. He's usually a lot of talk. He says things about people, but then he's friends with them. He talks about people behind their backs. It's very hard for Kevin to get a girlfriend, because his views on everything are really strange. He'll be infatuated with a person. In ninth grade, he was infatuated with a girl named Marissa Delinsky, and she was going out with a friend of mine named Brett Hurst. And we were in Canada, and he was threatening that he would commit suicide unless Marissa broke up with Brett and went out with him. Jeff Patty and Hans Bonner are both band directors at the high school, and they were both there, and knew about him threatening this, and took his sleeping pills from him. That was basically all I remember about that. Kevin does not get along with his parents. None of us, his friends, understand why. His parents are great. He's a heavy drinker. He drinks by himself. He likes to get drunk and wander off by himself. He lives across the street from the high school in a white house with a swimming pool in the backyard. Don't know the address or the street. Did you ever see Kevin Young act in a violent manner? Not sure. I, like, didn't hang around him a lot. The only time he came over was at parties. I'd say I don't know. Do you know if Kevin Young abuses any kind of drugs? I don't think so. I've never used them with him, or seen him use them. Do you think Kevin Young would be capable of killing someone? Yes. Why? Just basically because of how he does talk, and he can become very aggressive. I've never seen him get into a fight like with another guy, but because of his basic hate for women, because they spurn him, because of the conversations that me and my friends have about him, the strange things he says and does. Did Kevin Young ever talk to you about sex and his views on sex? He always wanted to get laid. It rarely happened. Like, the only time was with Jackie Hale. And that was like, it. He hates fags. He truly hates them. Anything that's not straight, he's like, no, he doesn't like it. I have actually seen him get aggressive. He once wanted to beat up a guy who was bisexual, but he couldn't find him. Did he ever state he wanted to have sex with Lisa Pruitt? Not that I can remember. Do you know a male by the name of Ken Workman? Yes. Is he a friend of Kevin Young's? Yes, I think so. Whenever I go up to Arabica, me and Kevin would go outside to see who was out there. And if Tex was out there, he would always go over there and say, Hey, hi, how you doing? What's going on? Is Tex a nickname for Ken Workman? Yes. Did you discuss with anyone who you thought could be capable of killing Lisa Pruitt when you heard of her murder? Yes, Kevin Young and Dan's father. Why Dan's father? Dan and Dan's father don't get along at all. Dan's father, through Dan's friends, is known as a very crazy man. This is also viewed by his sister, Debbie, 
and most of her friends. Dan just got out of Cleveland Clinic, and the reason that he came down to us is that one night he was reading a book, and Dan's father came in and caught him reading it, and flipped. And that was the day before he got sent to the clinic. Why would you think that Dan's father would be capable of killing Lisa Pruitt? It was as soon as I heard she was dead. I was thinking of who would have done it, and I thought Dan wouldn't have done it. But Dan's father would have done it. But I ruled that out last night when I found out that Dan's father sent him outside to find out who was screaming. How did you hear about Dan's father sending Dan outside? Through Shane McGee. Then I called Dan's house and his sister told me the same thing. I asked people who knew Dan and why he wasn't sent away, and they basically said the same thing. To your knowledge, did Dan Dreyford's father have anything against Lisa Pruitt? Not as far as I know. When did these threats against Dan Dreyford and Lisa Pruitt take place? June of 1990. Do you know if Kevin Young would carry any type of weapon? I think he had a knife. A knife. That's it. Did you ever see him with a knife? Once or twice, yeah. I'd come downstairs and he'd have it out and say, look at this. And I'd say, oh, yeah, whatever. I think it was a switchblade or a lock knife. I guess it was standard black or brown. I can't remember. Is there anything else that you wish to add to the statement? There was a person he talked to, uh, Pete Mannon. I think he's 17 or 18. He's a senior at Shaker. Pete was the only one who could really stand Kevin. They talked a lot, and Pete tried to get Kevin a girlfriend. Tried to make him not so much a loser. Tried to get him to go out. This interview with Jonathan George was important to detectives because George's statement implicates three men as possible suspects for the murder of Lisa Pruitt while taking the attention off his friend Dan. There was another young man who knew Lisa would be sneaking over to visit Dan late the night that she was killed. His name was Ken Workman, known simply as Tex to friends. Police asked Dan Dryford a few questions about him that day. So on Thursday, September 13th, 1990, I'll start off with the with the phone calls I had. Becca Boatwright called once at about 8.30, and I invited her over, and then she told me she was tired and was going to go to sleep. So during the conversation, she also spoke to a Tex Workman, and one or both of us maybe mentioned that Lisa might be coming over. I also spoke to Chris Jones and invited him over, and he called back and told me he was too tired and was going to go to sleep. I don't remember the times on either one of those calls, but both were right before 10 p.m. A Tex workman came over. It was sometime before 9 p.m., and he and I were sitting outside when Lisa Pruitt came over at about 9 p.m. and left five or ten minutes later. While they were both there, Tex and I joked about cutting Lisa Pruitt's hair. To my knowledge, however, there there was no physical contact between Tex and Lisa then. I walked Lisa to her car, she left, and I went back to Tex Workman. I think he was in need of cigarettes. I gave him some money, and at approximately 10 p.m., he left on my bicycle for Shaker Square. I went inside and came out again probably 11 p.m. to find Tex waiting with a pack of cigarettes, and he told me that he wasn't going to sleep over. I let him keep the change for rapid fare and and gave him some of the cigarettes. I then went inside and watched the news. 
Did you see Tex Workman leave your residence after you gave him the cigarettes? And if so, which direction did he go? I saw him turn to exit the backyard uh, via the driveway. Uh, To the best of your knowledge, describe what he was wearing. He was wearing either a white pair of tennis shoes or a pair of Airwalk Viper high tops. I'm not certain what else he was wearing. Have you ever known Ken Workman to take the bus back to his house? No, but he definitely he's definitely taken the rapid, to my knowledge, anyway. Did you have any contact whatsoever with Ken Workman from the time you were brought to Shaker Heights Police Station at approximately 3 a.m. on September 14, 1990, until noon on that same date? No. Approximately how far does Ken Workman live from Shaker Square? Between one and three blocks, but I, I can't say for certain. Uh, to your knowledge, what is the relationship between Ken Workman and Kevin Young? Such as, are they close friends or not? No, they're they're not close friends, but I don't believe they've ever been like hostile towards each other or anything like that. When Ken Workman returned from Shaker Square to give you the cigarettes, were your parents aware that you had returned to your house, or did you mention it to them at any time? No, they, to my knowledge anyway, they didn't know, and I didn't mention it to them. Is there anything else that you wish to add to this statement? Well, yeah, I, I guess I'd just like to reassure you that I'll, I'll tell you any new information when I remember it, but I just really have nothing else to say now. More friends of Dan Dryford arrived at the Shaker Heights police station to give statements similar to Jonathan George's that they had overheard Kevin Young say he wanted to murder Lisa Pruitt. The police learned that Kevin was due to leave town that Sunday to begin classes at Ohio State University. Armed with the statements from multiple teenagers, the detectives secured a search warrant for the Young family home. Affidavit for Search Warrant of Young Residence Kevin Young, son of J. Talbot Young Jr., does reside on Onaway Road, Shaker Heights, Ohio. This warrant states that Kevin Young knew Lisa Pruitt and her boyfriend Daniel Dreifer. That in June of 1990, at Arabica Coffee House at Shaker Square, Cleveland, Ohio, Kevin Young stated in the presence of several Shaker Heights high school students that he desired to kill Lisa Pruitt and Dan Dryford. That Kevin Young was seen at Arabica Coffee House, Cleveland, Ohio, on the evening of September 13, 1990, and learned from Kenny James Workman that Daniel Driver was home for medical treatment. That at the time, and in the presence of witnesses, Kevin Young became emotionally distraught, crying uncontrollably, and appeared angry intermittently. That Kevin Young was observed walking in the Shaker Heights area toward South Woodland Road at approximately 11 p.m. that evening. That on September 14, 1990, Kevin Young argued with friends about the homicide indicating facts known at this time only to investigative authorities, including preliminary findings from the Cuyahoga County Coroner's Office that the victim was not raped. And further, that Kevin Young, through reliable information, is said to be an unstable individual, inordinately jealous, 
of male-female relationships and is known to carry a switchblade or lock knife. It is necessary to conduct this search in the night because this request is made at 11.45 p.m. on September 15, 1990 and that Kevin Young is known to be leaving for Ohio State University on September 16, 1990 and that evidence sought is subject to destruction if not retrieved at once. While detectives searched the Young family home, Kevin Young was formally interviewed by police detectives. This interview occurred after midnight that Saturday night. I knew Dan and Lisa from band earlier this year, and I got to be friends with Dan's sister. Later on in March, I got to be friends with Dan. That's about the time I got to be friends with Lisa. I got to know her. I I wasn't really good friends with her. That's how I know them. Thursday morning, I don't remember much. I remember hanging out at Arabica until about 4 p.m. It might have been later than that. Time really meant nothing to me at the time. I went back around 7 p.m. or 8 p.m. I waited until Tex got off work. We sat there for a few minutes. The two of us went to the shack. He mentioned a potential Robitussin party at the Dreyfurt's house. I'm almost positive that he mentioned that Lisa and Chris Jones were going over to the Dreyfurt's house. At quarter to 11 p.m., we paid our checks, left the shack, and headed our separate ways. I went home. I got there a few minutes after 11 o'clock. I tried to go to bed at around quarter to 12 and did not sleep well that night. Now we're at Friday. At 8.30 in the morning, my mom woke me up and told me that Tex was at the door and wanted to talk to me. My mom already knew what happened to Lisa. Tex told me that Lisa had been murdered and raped that night. He also mentioned stab wounds. I met up with Tex again slightly before noon at Arabica. It was there that he got hysterical. He was worried about people thinking that he did it because he'd left his knife at the Dreyfurt's house. Also, when Tex mentioned the murders, he told me that Lisa was found in the backyard of the Dreyfurt's house. Friday, around noon, Tex and I left for Arabica and headed for the shack. It was there that he was accusing Dan Dreifert of Lisa's murder. He was threatening to kill Dan if he found out that Dan killed Lisa. He also asked me to mention to the police if I was questioned where I was with him Thursday night. I told him I would tell the police we left the shack at quarter to 11, as happened. He also told me he was worried because he had no alibi. He said he left the Dreifert's house at 11.15 p.m. that evening. He told me that the bus ran an hour late or it took an hour caught a bus at 12.15 a.m. and arrived home at 12.30 a.m. Friday afternoon, before Debbie got in town, Tex was a wreck. He was smoking like a fiend, very scared, and like I said, accusing Dan Dreifert. Deb got in around 1.15 p.m. in the afternoon, having caught the rapid going eastbound on the Green Road line. For a while, she was convinced as well that her brother had killed his girlfriend, Lisa. She had also heard rumors that Lisa had been raped prior to being murdered and thought that her brother's semen was in Lisa. I don't know what else to say. After the 5 o'clock news came on, it was pretty obvious to everyone that Dan had not done it. I ran into Tex again at Arabica briefly. I was on my way to Coventry, so I only stayed a little while. He was then blaming a stranger that none of us know. That was, I think, the last time I saw him Friday. He mentioned that he had been called in for questioning at least once. As for today, I spent just about all day with Ken Mitsumoto and had very little contact with Tex. 
I did see him tonight at the shack with Debbie and a lady named Becky. I think her last name is Myers. Tex mentioned that he'd been called in four times now. That brings us to when I was called in for questioning. I'm really worried that Tex did this. I mean, I hope it's not true. But if he did this for me because of a crush I had on Lisa back around the time of the Germany trip, this will be on my conscience forever. I have nothing more to say. Before given this statement, were you advised of your constitutional rights and did you fully understand them? I was so advised and I understood them. Are you at the present time under the influence of any alcohol or drugs? I am not. The male you relate to as Tex, what is his full name? His name is Ken Workman. You state that when your mother woke you up on Friday morning, September 14th, 1990, at 8.30 a.m., that she had already heard about the death of Lisa Pruitt. How did she know this? A friend had called her. I don't remember who, but I could ask her. So that I understand you correctly, Ken Workman advised you on the morning of September 14th, 1990, to make sure you told the police that you were with him until 10.45 p.m. the previous evening. Is that correct? That's true. Did Ken Workman ask you to tell the police any other information relative to him? He did not. You stated when you saw Ken Workman at Arabica at about noon on September 14, 1990, that he was hysterical. Could you explain what you mean? He was worried that people would think he killed Lisa. He mentioned a knife of his that he thought was in the Dreyfert's house. He was also saying that he was convinced that Dan Dreyfert killed Lisa. When we went to the shack at about noon, probably earlier, he was smoking a lot of cigarettes, chain-smoking. After a while, we both kind of burst into tears. Tex told me I was the best friend he had ever had. Have you ever known Ken Workman to carry a knife? I cannot say for sure, but I'm almost positive that he has carried a knife on occasion. When you met Ken Workman at Arabica later on, later on in the evening of Thursday, September 13th, 1990, did you observe him to be riding a bicycle? I did not see him with or riding a bicycle that night, to the best of my recollection. On the same evening, September 13th, 1990, you stated you left Arabica and went to the shack with Ken Workman. Did he have a bike with him then? I did not see a bike. So that I understand you correctly, when you walked from Arabica to the shack, Ken Workman also walked. He walked with me from Arabica to the shack on September 13th, 1990. When you left the shack and walked home, which route did you follow? Shaker Boulevard to Van Aken, north of Arabica. From Van Aken, I took a left at the traffic intersection onto Drexmoor. From Drexmoor, I took Woodbury. I took Woodbury to Onaway Road, where Onaway School is. And then I went around the school oval to there. Did you ever have sexual intercourse with Elisa Pruitt? I did not. To your knowledge, do you know anyone who did? Dan told me that he did. I'm pretty sure that Dan was her first. That's the way he described it to me. Did Dan Dryford or anyone else invite you or ask you to come over to the Dryford's house in the late evening hours of September 13th, 1990? Nobody invited me. Did Ken Workman tell you what time he got home after he left the Dryford's house? He said 1230 a.m. How did he say he got home? He said he took the bus. He also said it didn't come for an hour. 
Did he tell you where he caught the bus and where it let him off? He did not. Is there anything you wish to add to your statement? I feel like crap, and I really need some sleep. Nothing of value was found during the search of the young family home. They had no confession, no murder weapon, no bloody clothes. And Kevin's father alibied him. They were playing video games at the time Lisa was murdered. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month. 
at mintmobile.com slash TCG. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors Fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Next, the detective sat down with Tex to see what he had to say about Kevin Young. I went home and called Dan and asked him if it would be all right if I came over. He told me to come on over. I got some money from my mom and I waited for the rapid and went and got off Shaker Boulevard and Lee and went to Dan's house and just talked. It was about 15 minutes until his parents came home. They had been shopping, I think, and I remember I had to help them carrying groceries. They asked me how I was doing because I hadn't seen them in a long time. I think Dan was on the phone, so I went out in the back and smoked a cigarette. Then he came out. We was just talking about some dude at the hospital he was at who was weird. Then he got a telephone call again, and I just sat back outside, and he went in to get it. Then he came back out, and Lisa Pruitt came over, and she said I could stay for 15 minutes because her dad was waiting for her in the car. So Dan was showing her his haircut and uh, asked her if she wanted hers cut and was playing around. And then he went around the corner. I don't know what they did. Dan came back around and she left, I guess. We just sat there and he played his guitar. And then he said that his parents were expecting me to leave around 10 p.m., but I could stay if I wanted to without his parents knowing. So he told me to take the bike and go get him a pack of cigarettes. So I took his bike and went up to the gas station at Shaker Square, which is right behind Arabeca. Then I went over to Arabeca and sat down there. I was talking to Kevin Young and Stan Kramer. He just got off work and came over and sat down. And Kevin was all messed up then. 
he was crying about some kid named Manny or something like that because he went over to Iraq. He just kept crying and saying, I wish Manny was here. I wish Manny was here. Stan called his dad to come get him. Maybe like five or ten minutes later, his dad came to pick him up. Then Kevin was crying. He just kept crying, saying something about Manny, and I told him to shut up. Then we left, and I went up Shaker Boulevard, and he went the other way. I think it was down South Woodland or something. Right before I got to Dan's house, I stopped at like a little field thing, and I used the bathroom in the field. Then I got back on Dan's bike and went to his house. Then I got there, and I gave him his cigarettes, and he said Chris Jones was coming over and Lisa Pruitt. And they were coming over at like 12.30 a.m. And he asked me if I wanted to stay and talk to them. I told him, no, I was just going to go home. I gave him his bike and he put it in the garage and he went back in and I left. I went to the rapid stop and just sat there until it was around 12 midnight. And I called my mom and asked her to call the rapid and see what time they were supposed to come. And then I gave her the phone number to call me back at the payphone, and after I got off the phone with her, I sat down by the rapid tracks, and then the rapid came. I don't remember how long it was. Then I got on, and the rapid driver said something like, like it was running late, and he was sorry. I didn't say nothing to him until I got to Shaker Square. I just told him to take it easy. And then I went home, and I got home and told my mom that uh, I wasn't staying at Dan's because I didn't feel right about it. Called Deb Dryford at college. And we talked about how we missed each other. I got off the phone with her and went to sleep. The next day I had to get up early because I uh, had to go to school and get my work permit. So I got to school. I went to Mr. Vla's office and some lady told me he was with some girl who got murdered, parents or something. It was the lady who was the secretary for the office. She told me that and I told her I was just going to go to one of my friend's houses until he came back. And she said, go ahead. I went to Dan Dreifert's. I seen all the police and I thought maybe he'd commit suicide or something. So I started up the driveway, but halfway up the drive, these two policemen stopped and asked me what I was doing. And I uh, said I had come to see Dan and they told me he wasn't home. I asked them what was going on and they told me to go watch the news. The one policeman asked me my name and where I went to school and what I was doing out of school. So then I went back to school and went to Mr. Annandale's office and asked him if he knew what was going on. And then he said a girl was murdered over there. And I asked him the name of who was killed, and he didn't say anything. I left his office, and I started back to Vla's office. And I asked this girl who was killed. And she said Lisa Pruitt. And I went to Mr. Vla's office and asked Michelle Vittatonio, who died. And she said Lisa Pruitt. And she was crying. And then I went in and got my work permit for Mr. Vla. And then I went to Kevin Young's house to tell him. His mom answered the door and she wouldn't let me in because she didn't know who I was. I told her it was really important. She asked me if it had anything to do with Lisa's death and I told her yeah and asked her if she told Kevin and she said no. I asked her if she wanted me to tell him and she said yeah. She went up and woke Kevin up and, and then me and him went downstairs to the pool table. I told him that Lisa had been killed and he was like, all right. And he said he'd meet at Arabeca at around 4 p.m. And then I went to see if Jeremy Webster was at school so I could talk to him. He wasn't outside the school or anything. And then I started walking back and I seen Clark Pope and some other guy. And Clark was going crazy because of Lisa. I got sick of hearing him, so I walked home. I think I went in Arabeca to see if anybody was there. And there was nobody in there, so I left. Then I went home. Then I called 
the police station to see if Dan was here or if any of his parents were here and somebody let Dan's dad on the phone and I told him Deb was coming back. Then officer Mullaney told me to come down and make a statement. And I asked him if I could come in around 4 PM because I was waiting for Deb to come in. I got off the phone with him and I went to the rapid and just sat there and Kevin came over. He got to Arabeca a lot sooner than 4 PM. Then we were sitting there for a while and we got some coffee at the shack and then we seen Jerry Eisenberg and Ken Mitsumoto get off one of the rapids. So we went outside and Kevin talked to them and I walked away. Kevin came back and said they were going to a bank or something. Then we walked over to Arabeca and I think it was Dave Brannigan I talked to. And he asked me how I was doing. And I said, all right. And then he asked me something else, but I can't remember what it was. I left and went back to the rapid stop and waited for Deb and she finally got off. Then we went back to my house and then I told Deb I had to go to the police station and my mom wanted to come with me, but I wouldn't let her. We both left my house and went to Arabeca and then we got a ride from some guy named Bob to the police station. I got to the police station and that's it. Before giving this statement, you were advised of your constitutional rights. Did you fully understand them? Yes. Are you presently under the influence of any alcohol or drugs? No. Was your mother aware that you were planning on spending the night at Dan Dryford's house? Yes. When did you tell your mother that you're planning on staying at Dan Dryford's house? When I called Danny, he said something about it, and I said I wasn't sure. Do you know what time these arrangements were made? I don't know. It was when I called Dan at his house to see when I could come over. Have you stayed at the driver's house before when Debbie was not home? Not when Deb wasn't home. Can you estimate how many nights you stayed at the driver's house when Debbie was home? A lot. The last month before she went to college, I stayed there almost every night. Were Debbie Driver's parents aware you were staying there? No. You stated that you took Dan's bike and rode it to Shaker Square to buy cigarettes for Dan Dreyfords and yourself on Thursday, September 13th, 1990, at approximately 10 p.m. Is that correct? Yes. Describe the bicycle that you rode to Shaker Square. It was a blue mountain bike. Is that a men's or ladies' bike? It was a men's bike. What brand of cigarettes did you buy? Marlboro. Regular box. Just one pack. After you purchased the cigarettes, you went to Arabica. Is that correct? Yes. While you're at Arabica, uh, how did you secure the bike and where? I didn't. I just laid it up by the window at Arabica in the back so I could see it. How long approximately did you talk to Stan Kramer on that evening? Or how long was he sitting with you? Maybe like 15, maybe, maybe like 10 or 15 minutes. Did you work at Arabica at all that night? No. While at Arabica, did you mention to Kevin Young and Stan Kramer that there was going to be a Robitussin party at Dan Dreyford's house that evening? I didn't say there was going to be. I said there might be because that's what Dad said before he went in the hospital. He said the day he got out, he was going to have a robo party. What did you tell Kevin Young and Stan Kramer about who was coming over to Dan Dreyford's house that evening? I don't remember telling them anything. What did you know about anything that was going to happen at Dryford's house that evening? 
All I knew was that Lisa and Chris were coming over. Have you ever attended a Robinson party at Dan Dryford's? Yes. How many times did this occur? Only once. What was, in your opinion, the result of the people who drank Robitussin at this party? That is, the effect of the Robitussin on them, and how did it affect their actions? They just went crazy. Dan told me that it makes them feel strong and said something about some kind of trance they go into. When they get into this trance, whoever they see at the end of this hallway, they do whatever they can to get them out of the hallway. They kill if they have to. Sometimes they just knock the person out of the hallway. That's what he said. Would you explain what this hallway means? He said one day that everybody's got a hallway, and when you take Robitussin, it brings you back to your hallway, and it's like if you take it, you see a hallway. It's like a mild form of acid. Have you ever done Robitussin? And if so, what was the effect of it? Yes, I fell asleep. Have you ever seen Dan Dryford under the influence of Robitussin? The only time I seen him, he was just coming down from it. I never seen him when he was in the middle of not coming down from it. What was his conditions at that time? And how did he act? He just sits there and stared like he was asleep, but had his eyes open. When was this Robitussin party and who was all there? It was after I got out of rehab and before he went into the psych ward. Rebecca Boatwright, Andrea Conrad, Jim Hanna, me, Dan, and Deb was there. Dan Messenger was there too. That's everybody. To the best of your knowledge, did Dan Dryford have a Robitussin party last Thursday night? I don't think he did. On Thursday evening, September 13th, 1990, after you brought after you bought the pack of cigarettes and went to Arabica, did you leave Arabica with anyone and go over to the shack? No. I left with Kevin and I went down to Shaker Boulevard and he went down South Woodland. When you left Arabica to return to the Dryford's house with the cigarettes, which route did you take? I went down Shaker Boulevard to Lee and then down Lee. Prior to reading the Dryford's house, you stated you stopped in a vacant lot a few doors from the Dryford's house. Is, is that correct? Yes. Was that to urinate? Yes. Approximately how far into the lot did you go? I put Dan's bike down where the entrance is, and I walked a couple steps in. Did you take the bike into the lot, and if so, how far? I just took the bike to like the edge of the lot where it was in the grassy area, like a couple feet. After you finished urinating and returned to the Dryford's house, how did you make him aware that you had returned? I was throwing rocks at his bedroom window. Did he indicate to you that he had heard you throwing the rocks at his window? No, he never said. Did he come outside to meet you? Yes, I was standing over by the garage and he came out and told me to go around back. And then he came out the back with the door with his dog and I told him I wasn't going to stay. What did you do with the bike? Just gave it to him. And he put it in the garage. Did you physically see Dan Dryford put his bike in the garage? Yes. Was the garage open at the time? Or did he have to open the door? 
the garage was part way up. It wasn't all the way up. When you left Dryford's house and walked to the rapid, what route did you take? Lee to Shaker Boulevard. Did you stay on the sidewalk on the west side of Lee Road all the way to Shaker Boulevard? Or did you exit the sidewalk at any point? No. When you arrived at the rapid station at Shaker and Lee, was anyone else there? Did you encounter anyone that you knew while walking from the driver's house to the rapid? No. When you finally got on the rapid, was there anyone else on the rapid? No. Describe the rapid driver that you had a conversation with. Big black guy with a beard. Where did you exit the rapid? Shaker Square, right by the shack. On your way walking from the rapid stop to your apartment building, did you see anyone that that you knew? No. When you arrived home, who was there? My mom and her fiancé, boyfriend, Rob Cornell. Did you have a conversation with them? I just told my mom I didn't want to stay at Dan's tonight. Approximately what time did you call Debbie Dryford from your apartment? Probably around 1230 a.m. Did you dial her direct at a residence at Ohio University? Yes. When you called, did she answer the phone directly or did someone else pick it up first? One of her friends picked it up first. Did you know her name? No. How long did you talk to Debbie Dryford? About 30 minutes. After that, you went to sleep? Yes. Did you leave your apartment at any time between the time you spoke to Debbie Dryford on the morning of September 14th, 1990? No. On September 14th, 1990, when you first learned of the death of Lisa Pruitt, did you hear or did somebody tell you how she was murdered? Somebody had told me she was hit with something. Did anyone tell you? That she had been stabbed? No. Did anybody tell you that she had been raped? No. I heard that on the news. What time did you hear that on the news? At noon. When you went to Kevin Young's house on the morning of September 14, 1990, approximately what time did you get there? Probably like 9 or 9.30 a.m., something like that. At that time, when you advised Kevin Young of the death of Lisa Pruitt, Did you tell him that she had been stabbed and raped? No. Are you absolutely sure of that? Yes. During the same conversation with Kevin Young at approximately 9 or 9.30 a.m., did you tell Kevin that you thought Dan Dryford had done it? Yes. Why did you say that? Because on the news they said they had found her in his backyard and she was supposed to come over and see him, so... What made you think that even though you heard where she was found, that Dan Dreifer would be capable of or want to murder Lisa Pruitt? I just thought if he did robo that night that he might have. I don't know. Do you know for a fact, and did you see Dan Dreifert consume any Robitussin on the evening of September 13, 1990, or of the early morning hours of September 14, 1990? No. Did you make the statement to Kevin Young that you were afraid that if Dan Dryford did it, he might have used a knife of yours that was left at the Dryford's house? Yes. What kind of knife is this? It's a butterfly. 
I left it in Deb's room, and she told me that she took it with her. When did she tell you this? I asked her what happened to it as soon as she came home, and she said she took it to college with her. Did you tell Kevin Young to tell the police that you were with him until 10.45 p.m. the previous evening? Yes. I told him that while I was at the shack. Why? So he wouldn't forget to tell you guys that I was with him. So he wouldn't get in trouble and I wouldn't get in trouble. Did you make a statement to Kevin Young that on the evening of September 13, 1990, that Dan Dreifer told Lisa Pruitt that he wanted to cut her hair and he wanted you to hold her down while he did it? He was just playing around when he said it. Did he make that statement? Yeah. Did he have a pair of scissors in his hands when he made that statement? No. He had clippers in his hand. Did he ever attempt to have sexual intercourse with Lisa Pruitt? No. On Saturday, September 15th, 1990, in the evening hours, were you at the Dreyford's home? Yes. I think it was from maybe about 11 until 1230 a.m. Did anything happen between the times at the Dreyford's house that got you angry or made you lose your temper? Yes. Deb's dad was just getting on my nerves, and me and Deb left the house. He was nitpicking at Deb, and it was just kind of getting on my nerves. On Friday night, Deb seen kind of like a flashlight in the bushes, and I got pissed off and went down to the street to see what it was, but I didn't see anything. Since the murder of Lisa Pruitt, have you threatened to kill anyone? Yes. Who? When I thought it was Dan and I went down the street on Friday night, I was going to do the same thing to them as whoever did that to Lisa. From the time you heard about Lisa Pruitt's death until right now, have you had any contact with Lisa's parents? I had some contact with some lady that was there with Lisa's mom. And I told her if Lisa had any diaries or any journals or anything to turn them into the police because they might have some information. What did she say? She asked me my name. And said, okay. Did this woman tell you that Lisa did, in fact, have a diary? No. How would you describe your relationship with Kevin Young? We're friends until he, like, starts going nuts. Would you consider him to be your best friend? Sometimes. Would you relate to me what you told me previously about the information you had on David Brannigan? David told me that he was on the street that night and he was walking and a cop asked him what he was doing on the street and he said nothing and that he walked a girl home and the cop took his name and everything. Then he told Deb that he had his knife on him that night and last night he showed it to us, me and Deb. Deb asked him if he still had his knife and he said yeah, pulled it out of his pocket. Describe this knife for me. It's just had brass knuckles and the knife pops out of the side approximately how long is this knife about two and a half three inches long just the blade how long is the blade on your butterfly knife that you described about six inches did you ever have any kind of relationship with lisa pruitt or did you want to no to both questions when you boarded the rapid at shaker and lee that night Shortly after midnight on September 14th, 1990, do you remember what the sign said on the rapid? The sign said Shaker Square. The butterfly knife that you described as yours, where is it now? It's in Athens, Ohio. It's been there since the 6th of September. 
What kind of handle does it have? Metal. It's got holes drilled in the handle. To your knowledge, why would Debbie Dreifer take your knife to college with her? Because I gave it to her. So it wouldn't cause me no trouble. What kind of trouble? Just by carrying it. Because I'm on probation for truancy and running away and stuff. Prior to getting on the rapid shortly after midnight on the 14th of September 1990, did you see the same rapid driver before, and if so, where? Going the opposite way. While I was sitting on the tracks waiting to go to Shaker Square, he passed me up going eastbound and then came back westbound and picked me up. During the day, Friday, September 14th, 1990, did you have any contact with any school teacher, counselor, or teachers other than getting your work permit from Mr. Val? Mr. Annandale. I think I called him earlier that day to see if there was anything else going on. I think I called him once and Deb called him once. Is there anything else that you wish to add to your statement? No, but I just remembered Dave B. tried to sell me a stolen gun about two weeks ago. By this time, Shaker Heights detectives must have known that someone was lying to them. Everyone was pointing fingers at everyone else. Everyone who knew that Lisa Pruitt was going to be at Dan Dreifert's the night she was murdered seemed to have an alibi, as loose as alibis could be. So who was lying? Dan Dreifert? Tex? Or was it Kevin Young? Like Dan's friends wanted the police to believe. Just when it couldn't get any more complicated, in walks 18-year-old Stanley Kramer. Stan, could you state, starting from Thursday, September 13th, 1990, the approximate time you went to work at Arabica that evening, and relate to me, as best as you can recall, the events of the evening, which relate to you, of who you may have seen, who you may have talked to, and anything that you can remember about that evening? Okay, Scoops closes about 10, and after we closed, I usually do the mopping. At about 10.15 p.m. when I was mopping, I noticed Kevin Young was sitting at a table right by Scoops. He was emotionally depressed. It looked like he was crying and singing songs. I know some of the songs that he was singing. I've heard them when I was younger. I continued mopping for about 5 to 10 more minutes, and I saw Kenny Workman come in and sit with Kevin, so I wasn't as worried as I was when I saw Kevin from the first time about what was wrong. I pretty much finished up at about, I'd say about 10.30 p.m., and that's when I clocked out and I decided to join Kevin and Kenny at the table. The conversation up was Kevin was upset because a friend of his, I don't remember the name at all, was in Iraq. I don't know if he was living or dead, but Kevin was like hallucinating, wanting him to walk through the Arabica door so Kevin could give him a hug, say hello, how have you been, and so forth. I called my dad at about roughly 10 p.m. I went to get a pack of cigarettes first at about 10.35 p.m. And when I got back, I sat down and smoked one cigarette, which takes me roughly five minutes. I got up and called my dad roughly 10.40 p.m. to come and give me a ride home. I went back to the table and the same conversation was up at the table. That was when I left. I have no awareness of what they were talking about at all. My dad got to the back of Arabica at about 10.45 p.m., which is when I say goodbye to Kevin and Kenny. Yeah, Kevin and Kenny, um, 
I went outside to get into the car. My dad asked me to go in and get him a Coke. Came back in. Kevin and Kenny were walking out the front door to go home, which from my knowledge is where they were going. Um, um, Kenny was riding Dan Dreifert's bike, which he had to return that evening. And when me and my father pulled out of the driveway, I tried to get him the Coke. I saw Kevin Young walking up a street. I think it was Drexmore alone, and it looked like he was headed home. What did you do after that? I had a lot of studying to do that evening, and I went home. I watched a little bit of the news just to get caught up on current events like I usually do. I went upstairs to do my homework. It was a rough day, and I had a little bit of homework to do, so I did have a little bit to drink, a few beers. After I finished my homework, I pretty much crashed. I went to sleep, got ready for school the next day. When you were at Arabica with Tex Workman and Kevin Young on Thursday night, did you hear any conversation about a possible party at Dan Dryford's that night? No, I did not. Were you aware from the conversation between Tex and Kevin Young that Dan Dryford was back in town? Um, we all knew from that day Kenny was in school that day. I'm almost positive he was. That was the day that Kenny did drop out. But I do know for a fact that we all knew that Dan was back in town. When did you first learn that Dan Dreifert was back in town? It was roughly in between the hour of 12 noon and 1 p.m. Thursday noon. Go ahead and explain the same thing you said before. Okay. Um, I was, uh, I don't have a sixth, seventh, eighth period. So Alexi Ratchison, a friend of mine that graduated in 89, was up at the school. He's usually up there just driving around. I asked him if he would drive me up to the gas station to pick up a pack of smokes. He did so, and when I came back, we usually park right outside the science wing of the school. I looked out the window, and I saw what I thought was Danny Dreifert, which I didn't know at first, and I called his name, and it was Danny, and he walked over to the car, and we we just reunited. Started to talk, and I saw him throughout the rest of the afternoon until about 4 p.m., which I had to go home to go to work. Who was the friend of yours, and what was his name? Alexi Ratchison. Alexi? Alexi. That night at Arabica, when you left with your dad, you state you saw Kevin Young walking up Drexmore towards Shaker Heights. Is that correct? Yes. Did you see Tex Workman leave? Um, I did not see him leave. I knew where his bike was parked. It was parked right outside the window of where we were sitting, and the bike was gone, so I figured they must have left. At any time, were you aware that Kevin and Tex Workman had left Arabica and walked over to a place called The Shack? I have no awareness of it. Do you know where The Shack is? Yes. Where is that? It's the Rapid Transit's restaurant right on Shaker Boulevard in Shaker Square. What hours did you work at Arabica on Thursday night? From my knowledge, it was 5 p.m. to close, which is at 10 p.m., which I stated earlier. How well do you know Kevin Young? I know him pretty well. I used to play Little League Baseball with him when we were both younger, and we had missed each other for a while. After the team ended that summer, he went back to school, and I went back to school. I was still in the middle school at the time. When I got up to, uh, I think, the eighth grade, I when I started going up to the high school to see other friends of mine, I met back up with Kevin, and we started talking and just getting caught back up. So I've known him roughly, well, since about the eighth grade, which is, since I'm a senior, would be 1995. I mean, 1985. That's what I figure. 
Describe for me Kevin Young as you know him. What what do you know about him? He had a normal teenage life, did what most teenagers do, drink, go to parties on the weekend. From what I remember, he did quite well in school. He wasn't one of the types to slack off that much with the schoolwork because he was really concerned with his life when he got out of school. He just graduated in the year of 1990 from the Shaker Heights High School, and he's a part of my group at Shaker Square Arabica. Lately, um, what I've been hearing, what me and Kevin have been doing, which was maybe about once or twice, is drinking, which seems like Kevin is having somewhat of an alcoholic problem, which somewhat scares me with Kevin because I know Kevin quite well. And he was really interested in baseball and he started smoking and drinking, which surprised me that Kevin would do something like that, that heavily. Could you describe for me what you know in regards to any relationship between Kevin Young and Lisa Pruitt? Okay. I have known that for the last two years, Kevin has had a crush. I don't know if you want to say crush on Lisa. Uh, He really was. Not to distract you. Go ahead and describe the relationship between Kevin and Lisa. Um, last two years, Kevin has been in marching band with Lisa and they were pretty close since marching band is pretty much a big family. Um, to my knowledge, Kevin has had a crush on Lisa for the last two years. And when his knowledge came about Dan Dreifert going out with Lisa, he was very angry, distracted about Dan going out with Lisa, not him. Did he tell you that? Or is that just from behavior that you observe? I have heard that from Danny Dreifert, Kenny Workman, and once from Kevin Young. Could you identify the members and kids that you are referring to when you say your group? Yes. Um, In the group are Kenny Workman, Kevin Young, Ken Matsumoto, Jerry Eisenberg, Judd Osgood, Gina Messina. That's her last name. Um, Another one I'm just thinking of now is John Hannon and Alexi Ratchison, at least until he started working at Arabica. And there are a few more that just don't go to Shaker Heights High School, so they're usually not there all the time. How well do you know Kenny Workman? Since Kenny's come to Shaker Heights High School as a freshman, which was last year, I've known him quite well. We're both pretty much the same. We're crazy. We're both crazy well in the means of doing the usual things that we would do in the Arabica group, which is drink and every once in a while just party, go down to Coventry, look for fights. Um, We were crazy one evening. And we became blood brothers. So I pretty much say that me and Kenny Workman, or to me, Tex, are darn close. Describe Tex. What what kind of a person he is? Um, whew. Tex, when he came up to the high school, he looked like he wasn't as enthusiastic as a normal teen is for high school. He was like different. He really did not want to be there. It's like high school wasn't for him. Um, I mean that I'm used to it with our group, but people normally don't like high school. That had to be there was a literal dislike. He stayed in school. He didn't go most of the time. We did a lot of cutting. At the end of second semester of last year, I dropped out of school, which I really stopped going to the high school. It was maybe about I dropped out of the Shaker Heights High School. High school wasn't for me. I was a junior at the time. I don't know. I just didn't like school. I came back up every once in a while until I got a job at Universal Printing, which my dad owns, and was coming up to the school, and when Tex or any of the group was cutting, I'd be joining them, which most of the time I did see Kenny Workman. After the last year, this summer, I was on vacation most of the summer, so I didn't really see him that much. Him and Debbie Dreifert had been together, which has been a weird relationship. 
They've broken up, I think about three times, and now they're engaged to get married, which really confuses me. I mean, I'm glad that they are, but I don't see how both parties are really wanting to do that. But this year, I went back to school. I enrolled again. For some reason, they put me up as a senior, and I'm happy about that. Kenny was clicked in as freshman at the Shaker Heights High School. He failed last year. We were doing the same thing pretty much at the beginning of this year. Um, we were both caught smoking outside the school, which is in the rule book illegal. And we were both suspended for three days, which my parents didn't know about. So hopefully they won't hear from this. Kenny, after being suspended, he went into Richard Blah, one of the, he's assistant principal and was talking to him. And he asked if he would tell that Mr. Vlaw would tell Kenny's mom that he really does not want to be in school because Kenny's mom is one of those kinds of moms that don't really want to listen to the son. They just think it's coming out of their mouth because they're sick of school. But after Richard Vlaw, Mr. Vlaw, I mean, talked to Kenny's mom, they got the paper signed and Kenny dropped out of school. After that, a big change came in Kenny. He got a full-time job. He started dressing nice. He was like really getting his life back in order but he didn't know what he was going to do. We didn't know if he was going to become a druggie to just a regular bum. And the farthest away was actually get a full-time job and actually look good, which he is now. That's pretty much all the knowledge I know up to Lisa's death. Could you describe what you know about Robitussin cough syrup in terms of how it fits in with your group of friends? The only people I know that have taken Robitussin to get a high are Kenny Workman, Danny Dreifert, I think I'm almost positive that Danny and Kenny were the two that found that it did something to you. Um, those are the only two people that I'm really positively sure about trying it. To the best of your knowledge, how many times have either Danny or Kenny tried Robitussin? Well, me for one have known him to walk around when he has problems, when he doesn't want to go home. He just walks around a lot just to get stuff off his chest. He just, he doesn't want to really go home. At his house, his mom is the caring kind, and she'll ask what's wrong. He doesn't really want to tell anyone about it, except someone from the group. But if we're not there for him, or if there's something else up, or if we're having a phone conversation, he just won't bring it up with us. I have known him to walk around a few times by himself. Have you ever had any knowledge of him sneaking out of his house without his parents knowing it? I know he is 18, and if his rules are the same as mine, he doesn't really have to... Well, since he graduated, I don't think he has to worry about sneaking out. I don't think he has a curfew. On the night of September 13th, 1990, when you returned home from work from Arabica, did you leave your house after you got home for any reason? No, I did not. Were your parents awake when you retired for the evening on September 13th, 1990? No, they roughly went to bed at about 11.30 p.m., and I was still up studying. Was anybody else in your household up at the time? No. When you said you were studying and had a few beers to drink that night, do you have an idea how many beers you had? Roughly six to eight. Do you or do any of your friends that we have mentioned so far, or maybe some of them we haven't regularly or not regularly carry any type of weapon? From my knowledge, Tex had a butterfly, which Debbie Dreifert took to college with her when she left about a week ago. She took it to college because Tex really had no need for it. Um, Ken Metsumoto has a switchblade. Would any of this be used against, you know, one of friends? No. No? Okay. Because I have one myself, which I lost. It was a butterfly knife. I showed it to someone, 
and like walked over to him around the car and I came back and forgot to retrieve it. So I haven't seen it for roughly two to three weeks. So, and that's pretty much it out of the group. Do you know who has your butterfly? No idea at all. From my knowledge, it could be on someone's dresser to someone actually giving it back to me and me putting it in my room without me knowing where I put it. Do you have any direct knowledge or have you ever heard of Lisa Pruitt sneaking out of her house to go see Dan Dreifert or anybody else? No, I know of no past or I don't even know why she did it this evening. Lisa's not the kind of girl that would sneak out. She has a foreign exchange student at her house. That's the second reason why I wouldn't think that she would sneak out unless it was very important to see Dan that evening. So that I understand you correctly, you didn't really know Lisa Pruitt well, is that correct? Not as well as other people. You wouldn't have any idea who Lisa Pruitt might confide in as far as a female friend? Not off the top of my head. Not any of her really close friends. Did you ever meet her parents? No, I was planning on going over there this weekend, but there were too many people over there, and I didn't go over there. I'd rather it be a few amount of people over there. Do you have any knowledge of the feelings or either Mr. Dryford or Miss Dryford on how they felt about Dan going out with Lisa Pruitt? That they had both approved of it, but I'm really wondering about Mr. Dryford. From my knowledge, he supposedly had a crush on Lisa. I don't know how long it's been, but he's really supposedly liked her. I mean, it's a rumor. It's not straight facts. I didn't hear it from Dan or Dan's father, but he has had a crush on her, and she has been going over, from what I know, she has been going over to the Dreyfurt's house to see if Dan's home, yet hear of any messages from Dan as where Dan was, he can't write out to people of the family from. I mean, if friend of mine was in there, and they cannot write except to family members. Can you tell me who you heard this from? About Mr. Dreifert having a crush on Lisa? I'm not sure the girl's first name, but Hallie Warren, who just heard it from Abby Wilson McPherson. She is a senior at the high school and she is in the yearbook. Hallie McPherson? Abby. Abby. Is this a rumor that you heard prior to Lisa's death or after her death? After. I only heard it this afternoon on my way to the funeral from Hallie and she did not want me to repeat it to anyone for reasons of she didn't want it to slip out, which I have no idea why, because I know I'd heard on behalf of the other kids at Shaker, we want whoever did this behind bars. Is there anything else you can think of that you've heard, thought, saw, or otherwise in the last few days that might be of value or interest to us in trying to figure out what happened to Lisa Pruitt. The thought of what could have happened in my mind from hearing the knowledge of a possible linking Lisa, Dan's father, and Dan and Dan's father were supposedly out the evening Lisa's incident happened. They were both in the same room, and they both heard a scream. This is from what I know for a fact, or at least from the papers. Dan's father told Dan to go out and see what happened, if he can see anything at all. Dan came back, didn't hear or see anything. Um, And you pretty much know the whole thing after that. He went back after the police were called. They went out. They didn't see anything. Dan went back out, looked for his bike, looked around, found Lisa's bike, came back out to the police, and that's when the body was found. I don't know if Dan's father and him were still in the same room, that Dan's father might have told Dan that, look, you're going to be looked at as to being a suspect in this because Lisa was heading over here. 
I'll say that you were, me and you were in the same room talking or whatever. And that's when we heard it. From what I can think, I don't know if it could possibly happen, but that might have never happened. Dan's father might have heard Dan talking on the phone to Lisa and met her outside before she actually got to the house. That's really off the top of my head. That possibly could have happened, which the skid marks on the sidewalk could explain the corner ones as maybe his father maybe walking around the corner or surprising her and then skidding to a halt saying, oh, hello, and then walking towards the house. Mr. Dreifert possibly thinking about it or riding a bike still, turning around again abruptly and having to slam on the brakes again to describe the other ones on Lee Road. I heard there were two skid marks, one on South Woodland and one on Lee. Is that true? Whatever. I I could picture Mr. Dreifert doing something like that. I don't want to say it because I like Mrs. Dreifert. Rumors from Debbie Dreifert and Danny Dreifert, they consider their father as a Hitler, which really having the full meaning of why they call him this or why the nickname came up, but he was like strict. He was one of the stricter parents around the neighborhood with the kids. Were you aware or have you heard how Lisa was supposed to meet Dan that evening or how she was supposed to let him know she was there? The only way I could figure is the way we always do it is when girlfriends sneak out or boyfriends sneak out, the parents are up in bed, the one is waiting by his window to, in the family room, they have a TV room, which looks out. There's a window along the side. There's a fence because you're aware of that from looking around. She could have easily parked her bike right there and knocked on the window, do anything like that. I mean, through those windows, I know that you can't really hear anything if the TV's playing because I've been in there waiting for Dan this weekend when I was going over to visit him to see what he was doing. I couldn't hear the cars when the TV was playing. If that can be of any help to you guys, I just thought about that. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. 